Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Hawk Week podcast. I'm Hawk Week editor Matthew Appleby and today I'm with Primrose Hall Peonies Alec White. Now Primrose Hall Peonies is an RHS Chelsea Flower Show gold medal winning British specialist peony nursery and holds the Plant Heritage National Collection for Unusual Intersectional or Ito Peony Varieties. And Alec has also written a new book called A Love Affair with Peonies. So, hi, Alec. How are you doing? And how's the book going? Hi, I'm very well, thank you. Um, you very kindly called it a new book. It is a new book, but it is actually my only book. <laughs> Brilliant. No, so um, it's it's out now and um, it's taken quite a while to write. You've done some extensive travelling, haven't you? So can you tell me a bit about that? Yes, it's um, it's been a bit of a, a, a passion, really, um, over the last few years. It's taken about five years to get the photographs together because... Uh, as you know, peonies don't tend to flower for a very long time in the season. And so the window is very short for getting the right photographs. So we've spent a lot of time travelling up and down the country to different stately homes and other such places, trying to get the peonies when they were just uh, looking at their best. A bit like waiting for a uh, <laughs> waiting for a pregnant mother or whatever, you know, um, the, the stately home would phone us up and say, right, they're in flower now. And off we'd go up to Derbyshire or wherever and uh, take the photograph. So we've got some fantastic photographs in the book um, of peonies in landscape settings, in addition to the the close-ups that we've taken on the nursery as well. So hopefully um, the photos are really inspiring and, and, you know, beautiful. So where have you been? Where have you travelled to? What's been the highlights? We've been to lots and lots and lots of different places, uh, and they are listed in the back of the book, um, but all over the country, everywhere you can think of. and all I can think of right now off the top of my head is Rest Park, which is the place that's closest to us in Bedfordshire. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, we've been everywhere. So how long has it taken you to write? You, quite a few years, you say, yeah. Yeah, collecting the photographs has taken yeah, about five years, I would say. Um, 
writing the actual book, um, I did that in about, well, I got the first draft out in about 10 days. Um, that wasn't too bad. You know, once I sat down and kind of just unloaded into the book, um, but getting the photographs and getting the book um, to have the right look and feel, I think, has taken a bit of time because I wanted this to be more than just a gardening book, more than something that just, you know, how to grow peonies and what goes wrong with them. It's more a celebration of peonies. It's more about my passion for peonies, everything I've learned, because I've got no formal qualifications in horticulture. This is everything I've learned over the last 20 odd years. And um, there's a chapter about my history. There's a chapter about peonies and uh, how to grow them, where they come from. There's a chapter on peonies as cut flowers, peonies with fragrance. I've got a chapter on peonies through art and culture. Um, and there's also a chapter on what it's like to exhibit peonies and all the rest of it at, at the flower shows. So I'm hoping it will appeal to everybody and it's the kind of book that people can dip into. Um, but yeah, it has taken quite a while to get there. Okay, well, just going back a bit, what's, what is your background? You, meant, you mentioned it's not a horticultural background, but what's the background to, for you and the business? Well, I, I've always been interested in horticulture and my love affair with, with gardening kind of started when I was a small boy. My grandparents sort of uh, encouraged me in the garden, um, growing different things, mostly chrysanthemums and vegetables at the time. Um, and when I was in my early teens, I had a job in a garden centre and I thought, this is, you know, this is great. I'd love to be with plants. I'd love to work with plants. Um, but the careers advisors said, you know, you'll never make a career in horticulture. There's no money in it. Um, and we're going back a few years now. Um, although you might question whether things have changed that much. Um, and so I ended up studying law and I became a lawyer and did that for a few years. But when the opportunity came up about 20 years ago to buy the nursery, um, I jumped at the chance. And from that point onwards, it's been horticulture all the way. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. So how did a lawyer help you in your uh, in your growing career? Um I don't know. I've not really thought about that. Um, Probably not much. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I guess attention to detail is really important as a grower. Um, and being able to look at, at the same time, being able to look at the big picture. You know, when you're growing a thousand plants of the same variety, you can kind of look across the, the field or, or across the bench and look for differences and making sure that all the plants are uniform and they're doing the right thing. But yeah, I guess attention to detail and observation are the most important things in, in growing for me. And I suppose in the last two, three years, your business has changed quite a lot because you accelerated your online business a lot during lockdown, didn't you? And and I guess that's sort of calmed down a bit now. I mean, tell us a bit about that. Well, I mean, lockdown was was crazy, wasn't it? And, you know, there were many, many people in the industry that really, really suffered hard and you know, it put people out of business. We were, we were kind of fortunate um, because we just launched our website and upgraded it um, that year. So we kind of were almost, we had the basics in place. We had the website, it was already there. And um, I mean, we really thought things were going to be terrible. And then out of nowhere, of course, this big explosion in online sales. And for a couple of years, yeah, it was absolutely nutty. But like a lot of small nurseries, specialist nurseries, 
um, we've 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 seen a drop off in in the online sales now. People going back to garden centres, people, you know, spending their leisure time in other ways, and we've had to kind of cope with that drop in sales, which has been a challenge. Um, it has been a challenge. We don't have, you know, huge staff numbers. It's a specialist nursery. We only grow peonies and alstroemeria. So um, outside of peony season, there's not much going on for us. Um, it's not like we've got other product lines to rely on. But when we are busy uh, in, in April, May and June, we're super busy. And so it's very difficult to staff it. And during the pandemic, we had on extra help. Um, we had to invest in, you know, more technology systems and processes um and then with the drop in sales we've had to kind of scale things back um to where we are now which is still way ahead of where we were pre-pandemic i have to say um but it's now kind of a stability and consolidation exercise which i think is what many smaller nurseries are facing no no i think you i think you're right there and i, I know you were at chelsea last year uh, and um, I think you met um, met the Queen. So what what's what was it like meeting the Queen? And what does Chelsea do for business? Chelsea is is an amazing event. It's um, it's an amazing event, and it really is the, the the pinnacle of UK horticulture, and is admired and respected across the world. And to be able to exhibit there, really, it does put you on a a platform. And it gives you the opportunity, I think, to engage with a much wider audience than you would otherwise have. But you've got to be set up for it and you've got to be ready to make the most of those opportunities. And I don't think there is as much support out there for specialist and smaller UK nurseries to really maximise those opportunities. Um, for most of us, we're very small businesses. We're operating with very small budgets. Um, you know, family pressures and all the rest of it. So it is difficult to be able to maximise the opportunity from from Chelsea. Um, but it's a great experience and, you know, gets lots of coverage. And we've been very lucky over the last few years to have um, some really fantastic displays and, and great public reaction. Last year, um, we, we built an exhibit called the Enchanted Peony. It was a walkthrough exhibit through a, a forest with some silver perches underplanted with lots and lots and lots of peonies and a swing we had a swing in in the corner and um yeah it was very very exciting and we had no idea that uh, her majesty was going to come and visit the stand but i had a bit of an inkling earlier on in the day when when the sniffer dogs came along and i thought aye aye something's something's a going on here um and then we had the duke and duchess of gloucester uh, and they they came along and i thought oh well, that's obviously what the sniffer dogs were for so I thought, after they'd kind of left i you know took a breather started to relax loosened your tie and um a lady came up to me and said i understand you're um you're expecting the queen and i thought to myself well i wasn't really she said well you've got about a minute and a half and as I looked to my left, I could see the Queen on her little white buggy, um, electric buggy, coming towards us from the other side of the marquee, very slowly, um, but surrounded by everybody. 
Um, she was wearing uh, salmon pink, bright pink it was, and um, very much in, in, in line with our corporate colours, but that wasn't planned, of course. Um, and she came along and she asked lots of questions and she was absolutely fabulous. It was a, a real honour and a privilege um, and something that I'd, I'd always wanted. I'd always hoped that the Queen would stop at our stand. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was delighted. Oh, great story. So what did she ask you? All sorts of questions about peonies uh, and what a tough year it had been um, and uh, how, how wonderful they are what me- and the memories they, ha- they hold for people. Um, she'd asked me where the nursery was um, and, I mean, she, she, she knew where... She knew... I, I, I said we were from Bedfordshire, M1, Junction 12 on the M1, you know, Flitwick. And she said, oh, yes, I know it. It's about, about 45 minutes from here. Um, which is about right. If you've got police outriders, I reckon you can do it in 45 minutes. Otherwise, it's about an hour to Chelsea. Um, but she was absolutely fa- fantastic and um, I, it's something I'll never forget. Oh, brilliant. And uh, you obviously talked about how to grow them in the book and to everybody at Chelsea and, you know, that's your big thing. So what are your top tips on how to grow peonies? Well, they're, they're really easy to grow, to be honest. Um, and there's probably only... I would say four things you need to to think about. The first one is you need to buy a well-established and mature plant. Peonies um, can be a little bit um, tricky to get off the ground as seedlings. They do take, I don't know, five years to flower reliably. Um, so get an established plant. Once you've got a plant that's established, you you won't have any problems with pests or disease, really. They'll They'll kind of look after themselves. So an established plant, that's the first thing. The second thing is to make sure that you plant uh, your peony in a sunny spot. They will take part shade. Uh, Some peonies will prefer a little bit of shade, but in the main, peonies like lots of sun. The third thing is um, plant them in the right kind of soil. And that's not as tricky as it sounds because actually they're not fussy and they, they really will tolerate pretty much any soil provided it is free draining. They, they, won't, they won't put up with having wet feet um, in the winter. So it must be free draining, but any soil will do. And then finally, uh, and perhaps most importantly, planting peonies at the correct depth. And this is, this is the cause of so many problems with peonies. They're either planted too deep or they get buried, and this is why they they stop flowering or indeed don't flower at all. So the correct depth for a herbaceous peony or an ito peony, an intersectional peony, is no more than about two and a half to five centimetres below the surface. And that's really quite shallow. For a tree peony, uh, if you've got grafted peonies, uh, which you which you'll find in the garden centres. That's the normal kind of thing you'll find in the garden centre. You want to make sure that the graft union, and that's the thickening around the base there, is around six inches, I would say, below the surface. Um, If it's not a grafted peony, then you can plant it at the same depth as the the herbaceous and the intersectional peonies. So for tree peonies in the main, you plant them deep. For herbaceous and intersectional peonies, plant them reasonably shallow. some great advice um you've got some shows lined up for 2023 what are you doing 
Uh, we're doing quite a few shows. I don't have the full list off the top of my head, um, but Gardener's World, I think, will be uh, a big event for us. We're, they've got two or three shows this year, but the big one will be in Birmingham. So we will be travelling around and doing stuff. And obviously I'm going to be travelling around the country promoting the book and doing signings at Waterstones and other such um, places. So it's going to be a busy season for me. Brilliant. Um, just briefly, you mentioned Alstroemerias and you, you, do, you do grow them too through another brand. Yes, Parago Alstroemeria, which we acquired um, a couple of years ago now um, from the family. And so we're still growing those. We've got uh, new varieties um, that we'll be expecting to launch um, next year, I think. So that's really, really exciting. And that's a breeding line that goes back to the 1950s. Parigo were the first uh, company really to produce Alstroemeria for the cut flower market. And their Little Miss series are very famous around the world. And so it's great to be working with some of that material. Great. But today's all about peonies. So what are your favourite peonies? Oh, there's a question. Um, my favourite peonies. Do you know that's a almost impossible question to answer? Um, I guess it depends on what day of the week you ask me and what time of the year. Um, favourites. Well, I do like Claire de Lune. Claire de Lune is a herbaceous peony. Generally flowers in the UK... Um, around the end of April. It's pretty reliable. It's a single, uh, very pale, creamy yellow, beautifully fragrant. The foliage has a slight bluish tinge to it, which really offsets the, the lemon uh, flower. It doesn't mind a little bit of shade and it's got a reasonably lax habit. So um, it's very natural and very beautiful. Um, and it's always a joy for me. I love the intersectional peonies. We've got a national collection. We've got many, many different types of intersectional peony. I guess one of my favourite ones is, is lollipop. Lollipop has a bright yellow flower with a, a purple kind of stripe running through it. It's incredibly prolific. I think on my lollipop at home last year, I had nearly 70 flowers. So it's just stunning. I mean, you can't go wrong with Sarah Bernhardt. That's a great, that's a great uh, herbaceous peony. Um, I think Old Faithful is a lovely one as well. I mean, there's just so many. There are so many. And, you know, you can get peonies in the UK. Peonies will flower from April through till the end of June. So lots of different uh, cultivars to choose from. And careful selection does mean that you can have peonies flowering, as I say, April through till the end of June, sometimes into early Ju July, depending on where you are. So there's lots of different uh, peonies to choose from to ensure that you have maximum peony flower. No, brilliant. Now, there's one other thing I did want to ask you. You mentioned Chelsea, and I know you're not doing it in 2023, and you mentioned, you know, how nurseries could get more support. So what sort of support could they be given? Well, it's not my job to get too political about it, but I do think as a country we undervalue the the sector. If you look at the way other European countries particularly value horticulture and have built an industry and a sector that is respected and that does generate substantial sums for the economy. And what we do over here, we, we very much view it as a as a backwater industry. And, and yet there are some 
big players. We've got some real world-leading talent in this country. But, you know, youngsters aren't encouraged to go into horticulture. And if they are, they're pushed into landscape and all the rest of it. Very little into the way of commercial uh, horticulture and production. I don't think we pay enough money for the plants. I think garden centres, you know, find it difficult enough to make money as it is. And so their supply chain is relatively small. But there are lots and lots of little nurseries that are specialists in this country. And we're not really tapping into that either. Um, So I think there's more support the government could give. Um, During COVID, it was very clear that, you know, it was a mixed bag in terms of support that nurseries got. You know, sometimes we're agriculture, sometimes we're horticulture, which means that we just very often are ineligible for grants and financial support from, from the states. So I think there's work we can do there. But the biggest thing, I think, is just to value the people that work in the industry more. Um, it can be tough. You know, it's hard. So I think there's, there's, there's a lot more that can be done. I think there are organisations as well that could and should take a more proactive stance. Um, you know, in supporting nurseries and getting them to where they need to be and to help exploit those opportunities and promoting it as a sensible and viable career. We've got pretty deep there, but now we're going to finish up with what we always end up with. And we've kind of covered this already, but maybe you'll come up with something else. I don't know. But we always ask our guests what their favourite plant is. And they can only choose one to take to a desert island. So uh, put you on the spot here, Alec. What, what are you going to pick? <laughs> what am I going to pick? Mm. One plant. One plant to take to a desert island, your favourite plant. I guess it's a bit awkward if it's not a peony, isn't it? <laughs> it is a bit. Um, to be honest, it's a, it, it would be a toss-up between a flowering cherry tree, um, which always brings joy to me. Um, I guess if I had to pick a peony, any peony, I would pick... Um, I would pick any peony. I'd probably pick, I'd probably pick lollipop, intersectional peony lollipop that I mentioned earlier. Superb lollipop. That's a tough one. (laughs) Well, you've got, you've got there in the end, so that's all good. So it's been great speaking to Alec White from Primrose Hall Peonies and I'm Matthew Appleby, Horticulture Week editor. Make sure you never miss a Hawk Week podcast. Subscribe to or follow Hawk Week podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts or your preferred podcast platform. Once again, thanks to Alec and goodbye until next time. Hawk Week.